Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. I'm Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup? Also with me, Tan. Hello. No one's enjoying this but me and you, but I'm, I'm fine with it. We're just going to stick and keep it going like this, buddy. It's our, it's our promotion. It's our, it. it's our viral promotion for the Psych uh, 2 movie, which comes out. Yeah, needs a sequel. Ten seasons and two movies, like they I say. See. Exactly. At some point, the second the second movie's coming I st- out. I still need to watch the first movie. It's a it's, it's a good time, man. It's a solid movie. But uh, what's his needs name? a strong word. Um, what's his name isn't really in it because he had a stroke, like living before they filmed it. Um, guy Brad plays Lasseter. Yeah, the guy plays Lasseter. That guy. Oh, oh no, not dude. the dad. No, no, yeah, not no. Roger Dorn. No, Lasseter had a stroke. I think he's okay now, maybe, but like he was. And like you could see if you watched the movie, they re- really couldn't do a lot. But now they're taking a reel down here. Um, just the three of us this week, kid presentable, off on assignment, um, gathering some Bellator news for you. And you guys know that's a lie because Stefan doesn't acknowledge Bellator's existence. I contend that is why Bellator did not give us press credentials last time. We're going to try again this time, folks, because Mark and I are here to get you the scoops. We want to tell you everything that happens at... Musasi versus Lima. Lima. Like, that's a good fight, too. I should have been more on top of that. And Ryan Bader versus other guy. Double title fights in San Jose. May 9th. Same night as UFC 250 or 48, 49. I don't know. The one that's got Henry Cejudo versus Jose Aldo. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Busy night. Yeah. Um, but first, um, we're going to talk a little bit. And by I say a little bit, I'm talking a real little bit. About this trash ass card, because I'm standing by that. That happened in Australia. I'm sorry, in New Zealand. And look, there's a bunch of finishes on it. Nobody watched. Nobody watched. Main event though, really good time, Mark. I really had enjoyed myself with Dan Hooker and Paul Felder. Uh, thought we got a little bit of home cooking here, um, but it was a close fight with uh, Felder getting the nod. But I honestly thought, I'm sorry, with uh, Hooker getting the nod. But you, you and I discussed it earlier today. I think we both thought um, Felder probably took three rounds in this one. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dan kind of did the uh, the old adage, and I guess in plays, you know, a strong beginning and a strong end, and they'll forgive you for the middle. Harder to forgive when the middle is the majority of the fight. Um, or it really seemed, I mean, really my analysis of this fight is Dan Hooker did a great job the first round, uh, completely dictating the spacing and timing. Uh, he had Paul Felder on the outside eating low kicks to the calf and jabs. Pretty much that entire round. It wasn't until late into the second where, you know, Paul Felder started doing what he really needed to do was to get in the pocket. And to do so, he had to eat shots. You know, whether that was coming in and eating a jab or a straight or on the exit eating a jab or a low kick, um, you know, Dan Hooker made him pay to get in. But that's exactly what Paul needed to do. And once he started doing that in the second, third, and fourth rounds, uh, he was starting to land a lot more effective strikes. He was able to dictate the pacing a lot better. And ultimately, in, in my eyes, I thought he got rounds two, three, and four. I do think round two was a little close. I think he kind of got on late in the round. 
Um, but yeah, at the fifth round, Dan Hooker, he did turn it on a little bit and he really scored some takedowns, which I think would solidify that round for him. But yeah, it was really close. You know, it ultimately was a split decision. Um, so it wasn't, you know, egregious. We didn't see any 50, you know, 44s or 43s where it was just like, yeah, oh. yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like a bad decision necessarily at all. I just, you know, I think I leaned away of Felder and, um, looking at the fan voting, I mean, people all over the place with this one looking like, uh, first round and fourth rounds are the two rounds where people are really confident about who won second round. I'm looking two thirds, probably for thought Felder run third round. Most people thought hooker won. Fifth round, most people thought Felder won. I actually thought Felder won the fifth round because I did not think that takedown really should have scored a lot. But at this point with judging, we're all kind of just not knowing what we're even using right now. R new rules, old rules, yada, yada. Uh, Felder kind of half retired when the fight was over. Um, it seemed like they kind of, him and his team kind of walked it back afterwards. He was pretty emotional at the end there. Um, they had a really, you know, whenever a guy's throw down hard like this, you get that post-fight hospital uh, picture, which everybody enjoys, though I, at the end, just go, I really hope everybody got paid here. They both left apart themselves in the octagon. Um, and Mark Felder just wears damage bad. Yeah. I mean, really if you bad. look at just these two guys' faces, Paul Felder lost this fight super bad because side of his face, he was looking like Two-Face or the Elephant Man. His, what was it, his right side of his face was... At the end of the fight, I mean, after the first round, had swollen up pretty bad to the point where I wouldn't have been surprised somewhere where he kind of did the the big no-no and maybe exhaled a little too strongly out of his nostrils because the inflation was pretty sudden and quick. Um, by the end of the fight, not only was his eye, I mean, his eye was almost shut at the end of the first round, but by the end of the fight, that whole side of his face was just completely inflamed. Uh, it was not a great look. Um, and if there was a judge that was just... You know, like we often say, looking down at his at his feet and on his phone the whole fight, and just looked up and saw these two guys at the end of the fight. I could see how one would think that Paul Felder definitely lost that fight because he wore a lot more damage. But like you said, he just kind of wears it a little bit more, and that's you know some guys just tend to bruise and mark I, a little bit easy, I'm especially when you're super pale. Marcus, I was surprised he had to take this fight because he just beat Edson Barboza, and he had to fly to the other side of the world to fight Dan Hooker. Which, I mean, you beat Edson Barboza. That was a close fight. It was a split. Um, but I really thought he was going to get that big shot next at, uh, not that hooker's not good. Hooker's been on a run himself, but I thought maybe he was going to get someone a little bit more well-known, but yeah, I mean, uh, on, he did the, on he did the, the rankings, he, on the he rankings, the, he was six, uh, hooker was seven, you know, there's five guys in front of you. Some of them already got title shots. You know, some guys already have fights booked. I think him and a would have been great. I think there was other people you could have slot in, but also, you know, they had a nice little, way to sell this fight right dan hooker was one of the first guys to openly challenge paul felder when he was in the booth and he did it very classy and i guess i didn't really buy into or even like really pay attention to a lot of lead up of this fight uh but i guess paul crossed some line with dan hooker in the beginning of the fight they wouldn't touch gloves which ultimately made you know at the end of the fight where they have this awesome fight and really push each other and come and embrace each other at the end kind of makes a more storybook-esque kind of finish to the fight overall which i thought was nice but yeah i mean paul felder you know at six there's only a handful of guys above him, and it would have been nice to see him fight a Gaethje or someone above him. But there's just not a lot of those guys there, and a lot of them are probably getting fights booked. But I, you know, Gaethje's one of those guys that I think would have made a little bit more sense. It is unfortunate Paul Felder was fighting a, a guy that was ranked below him instead of above him, but it was a good opportunity for Dan. I think this was really Dan's opportunity to really make a name for himself. You know, he didn't come out with flying colors. He definitely struggled in this fight. It, you know, a lot of people, like we discussed, didn't think he's clearly won the fight. 
But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a good, solid win for him, and it puts him in the top five probably, and, you know, he's a little bit closer to looking at, you know, title pictures, contenders. I think he needs at least one more big win. Yeah, at at 30 years old, uh, man's won seven of eight, only lost in there to Barbosa. Mike Felder has showed up in the UFC at 8-0. He is now 17-5, so 9-5 in the promotion. Um, Really showed up, Mike, and once you say immediately became one of those Matt Brown type, like this guy's going to give us a a brawl, and like not necessarily a sloppy brawl, but this guy's going to give us everything he has every single time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, whenever Paul Felder gets into the octagon, um, you know he's going to give a hundred ten percent effort, and you know he's going to try to throw down with anyone that he's in there with. I mean, I think about when he fought um, Mike Perry and he broke his forearm trying trying to do a. A spinning back fist, uh, maybe like in the second round, midway through the the second round, and you know he he kept fighting and he kept trying to you know knock Perry out even with his broken hand. Um, you know he he's got the heart of a warrior and the guy's got the guy's got balls the size of Montana. I'm always gonna enjoy watching him fight. I hope this isn't it for him. You know, he's still very enjoyable to watch. He probably won't fall too much in the rankings. And I think if he gets maybe two fights in there, um, he'll be in line with for, for a contender spot. So do you think, you though, know, like he, I like, he once, retire. once he starts having those things about acting like he's going to retire and this guy has a future as a commentator, he actually does that really well. He's one of the, you know, people really enjoy his work and the commentator. Do you think? I mean, are you of the belief that once you start thinking this should be it, this should actually be it? He's talking about missing his kids and stuff. Like, I know for selfish reasons, we all want to watch him fight because he's never let us down in terms of entertainment. But do you think from like, I mean, what do you think? You try to get another paycheck out of this? Try to get another big payday? I mean, I don't know how big his paychecks are, but he makes more in one night than, you know, he probably well, does. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying, Garrett? Like, what do you, what do you think yeah, the move is here? I think you got to give it with a grain of salt. When someone after a fight that he had just been in, you know, a five round war, um, what they say in the octagon right after that. Um, but then you also got to think after a five, five round war, these are the first thoughts he was thinking about. Are these things that have already been bubbling in his head? And, you know, with a lot of fighters, they have to keep fighting. Um, you know, at times I think. Maybe that's the case with a, with a Diego Sanchez, but he just might legitimately just want to fight until he just can't anymore. But we find that with a lot of other fighters, um, they they need the paychecks because they don't have they don't know what else to do besides fighting. But with guys like DC and you know guys like like De- like uh, like like Felder, who you know they are legitimately good in another career, you know in this case broadcasting. Yeah, it's um, it's hard to think for them, you know. Like, well, am I going to be champion at this point? Um, what else do I really have to prove in the sport? Um, what are my prospects in the next two or three years when it comes to fighting? Or, you know, do you just want to dive headfirst into the, you know, the second part of your life and you know your second career? So, as much as I would like to see um, Felder continue fighting, uh. I would like to see him, you know, do more, uh, you know, UFC on ESPN pluses and, you know, do more pay-per-views along with, uh, with Rogan and Anik. Yeah. 
all four of these guys uh, getting more and more revenue streams. Um, the other fight we're going to talk about, uh, Mike's only one of us who actually watched it, I believe, right? Marcus, you didn't yes, watch it either. I watched it right before I got on the train to go watch the main, main event of the night, which is Wilder Fury. We'll talk about Wilder Fury in a moment, but uh, Karolina Kovalkiewicz got her ass whooped. Um, and I'm actually going to tie this to Wilder and Fury um, because she got her ass whooped, and at the end of the first round, she told her corner she really couldn't see out of one eye right. She was seeing multiples of the other girl. And they're like, well, go try to clinch. Um, that's how Kid Presentable told me that went. And then she got her ass whipped for 10 more minutes. And uh, shout out to Jan Jonan, who deserves a little bit of credit here for getting uh, really a good goddamn win. Um, she's now 5-0 and in the UFC. Um, all five are decisions, but wins over Angela Hill and Carolina Kovalkiewicz, Kaylin Curran, Vivian Pereira. Ain't nothing to sneeze at, but um, Mike, Carolina's corner did her to the a disservice there Saturday night, didn't she? Didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, and I'll let you make the uh, the comparison to to the Fury fight, but yeah, I mean, when your fighter comes in and says, either one, I can't see out of one of my eyes, or two, I'm seeing three of them. Your fighter is always one going to continue fighting. And we saw that in the Kovalkovich fight in that at the start of the second round, the doctor actually came in to inspect Kovalkovich. And she basically lied to the doctor. Said, yeah, yeah, I can see. I can see. Where literally 30 seconds earlier, um, the commentators had said, um, from what our translator said, you know, she had said to her corner, I can't see. And, you know, trainers are there to protect their fighters. Um, and Kovalkovic got her ass kicked for two more rounds. Though Those are punches she did not need to absorb. And, you know, I saw her Instagram post uh, earlier today. And that was hard. That was yeah, heartbreaking she, shit, man. That, that was hard to watch. Um, she had a very, you know, emotional just video. And her face looked like she was on the real wrong end of the beating, which which she was in this case. Yeah, that was uh, rough to watch. And Carolina is one of my favorite fighters. Um, she's always shown to be tough as nails. I remember her fight with uh, Joanna. Which she, I think she put Joanna on her ass once, maybe. I might be crazy. I have in my head this happened. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. But she was just there with her the whole fight. And like Joanna, Joanna after the fact just didn't like how much credit she was getting for just being there the whole time because Carolina's tough as nails. Um corner's got to be to, is there to protect you. That's literally their job. Um connecting it Marcus to this uh Wilder Fury fight, which we'll talk about in a second here because that was really the biggest fight that happened this weekend. We had uh Deontay Wilder, bronze bomber, excellent fighter, taking nothing away from the man. 41-0-1 going into this, if I'm not mistaken. Some like that. Or like she had like dude has like 40 goddamn knockouts. A killer in there. Um, he was getting tuned up, man. He was getting tuned up by Tyson Fury. It wasn't going well. And his corner threw in the towel. Um, and now the day later, one of like his coach is burying the corner man that did it. Uh, he himself said some nonsense about um he was gonna reevaluate if he really you know wanted that guy in his corner. I mean, I'd rather die in the ring than have the towel thrown in. I'm a warrior. Look. 
I get it. That's the fighter mentality, right, Mark? Like, you're there to, like, you can't have any doubt in your mind. But that, that's why you have people in your corner, to make sure you walk out of this and you can see your wife and kids, right? Like, what are we... I mean, this sport is a... I like how, like, I, I might expect too much from MMA sometimes, man, where I think, like, man, like, we got to get up to... I mean, can't call a guy, like, you know, if they're done fighting, they're done fighting. We want it to be more civilized at times. Do you remember boxing has been around for 3,000 years and we're still fucking here, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, my take on his addressing the corner is that, I mean, it's his decision. He is the fighter. He If he wants to go out there and sustain brain damage, you know, that's, you know, to, to continue to take more punishment when he doesn't have a chance, you know, that that's up to him. And he can control so much of the fight, right? Anytime the referee asks him if he wants to continue to fight, he gets dropped. He gets back up. Do you want to continue to fight? That's on him to make those decisions. Uh, you know, the corner is there to protect the fighter and sometimes make a judgment call when maybe the fighter can't think clearly um, or is not in a place to make those decisions. But at the same time, it seems like the conversations that we're hearing now is that it sounds like they talked about this scenario before the fight that he did not want the corner to throw in the towel. Um, and I think it's the corner man's job, like you said, to protect the fighter. And, you know, that's what his corner did. Uh, his corner thought he was not going to, there was no way he was going to turn around this fight. He was just going to sustain more punishment and they decided to end it. So it's up to Wilder. It's his corner. It's his management team. If he's uncomfortable because someone on the team made a decision he wasn't happy with, that's his discretion. You know, and if he wants to let that guy go, that's his call. I, of course. Of but course. the guy, I, as the trainer himself, I don't feel like he should feel bad for what he did. You know, you, as someone that is, I mean, and, I don't, I honestly, for this fight, I knew a lot more about Tyson Fury and more about his fighting style than who's in the corner, what relationships they've had, what they've been through. So I don't know. This guy could have been with Wilder since the very beginning and is emotionally connected to this guy. And to see him take the, you know, the beating that he was, to see him as fatigued as he was and eating these punches and not able to throw back, he had enough and he decided to make that call. Obviously, that's not what Wilder wanted, uh, but that was his decision. And as the corner, you have the right to do so. So, I mean, it's up to Wilder, you know, and I don't really... If I mean, it's also a scenario, Mark, where they're saying he's accepting he's going to do the rematch. He says he wants to do the rematch this summer. That's a clause in the contract. I mean, you kind of got to be... I mean, I'm part of me wonders if it's like he's saying this, he's saying that he was weighed down by his outfit he was wearing, the 45-pound costume he wore to walk to the ring. He's looking for excuses maybe on some level for people to be somewhat interested in him watching him fight again after a... Very one-sided fight. Yeah, I mean, what I would really, and what I always want to talk about, I don't care about any of these hullaboo after the fight. I like to talk about the fight. And what you saw in that fight was you saw a rematch where one of the com combatants made massive changes to how he confronted this fight. Fury gained weight, and he changed his game plan in this fight, knowing what Wilder did in that first fight, what he was successful at. He completely revitalized how he approached that fight. And, you know, the results are in the pudding. You know, he decided to be more aggressive, to go forward. He decided that with the extra weight, there was a there was much more emphasis on him clinching, especially in the later rounds. I mean, how I saw this fight was the first round was fairly close. I thought uh, Fury definitely won. Uh, but, you know, we saw Wilder land that that big right straight, you know, which is which is his kill punch. Um, and the second round, you know, Fury landed a really good right straight behind the ear, on the ear that changed the fight as far as I saw it. it can, not only did he get it down, it messed up his equilibrium and it severely drained a lot of his stamina. The next, what, four or five rounds? And honestly, you know, as a fan, I don't. it wasn't the most compelling fight in the world, but it was a lot of fury getting in the clinch, using that body, 
and holding the clinch and punching. I mean, he and I think that had to be part of the game plan was to really wear this guy down in the clinch. And who cares? Referee says stop keep punching because he ultimately ended up losing a point which i think was the right thing to do because there was multiple times where this referee was like stop punching break and these guys would keep clinching and punching he had to take a, a point away from fury but that paid dividends you know towards the end of the fight because it just drained wilder i think the knockdown drained him really hard and then all this clinch work just really took it out of him um and then in the seventh round you know when the fight was stopped wilder got caught in the corner which he had not gotten caught in the corner most of this fight and basically ate a combination, um, and that was enough for the corner to stop the fight. So I think what I really saw in this fight was Fury went back to the drawing board and really said, look, here's what I noticed in the fight. Maybe the corner broke it down with him. Here's things I want to change. I want to get bigger. I want to muscle this guy a lot more. I want to drag him into the deep water, get him tired, and then push it on late in the fight. Um, and he did just that. And Wilder, really, I didn't see much evolution of his game. He was trying to land that right hand. But once he got down in the second, he just he could not dictate the pace anymore. He was not pushing Fury, uh, putting pressure on him. Because what you need to do with a guy that has the fancy footwork, that can move his head, that can move his body, is you got to trap him in the corner so you negate some of the movement. And then you got to attack the body because he's not going to be able to use head movement to negate some of the damage you're going to throw there. So he needed to go to the body. He needed to trap him to land that big punch. And he wasn't able to do that. So, yeah, he could point at his corner and point at the outfit and everything else. I mean, I am Mark. He said he counted. He carried a 45 pound costume to the ring. I think what he did was carry a 42 pound weight disadvantage while Tyson Fury made him carry him. Yeah. A lot and of the fight. Probably the fatigue he felt after the fight, which maybe shout out by the way to uh, Fury, my, uh, Mike Fury going with a new trainer on this one. Um, Sugar Hill steward. Um, Fury had a lot of things going on going into this one. I mean, he had like, he was just, he was wrestling. He was talking about MMA. He fired like two trainers. He got a new trainer. He put on 20 pounds. Um, by the way, shout out to George Lockhart. Knows how to m let a man put on weight safely and take weight off safely. Great. And I like that uh, him getting love in boxing now too. But Mike, um, just a total change in strategy. Mark pointed out Sugar Hill Stewart really leading Tyson Fury to a totally different strategy than the first fight, which was let's bully the damn bully. Yeah, uh, compared to the first fight with uh, Fury's previous trainer, Ben Davison, where it was much more of a, you know, just kind of wait and see, you know, approach, you know, um, Sugar Hill, um, his uh, his boxing gym, I think, what is it called? The uh, Quan or Kronk? Kronk. Kronk, yeah. yeah. Kronk gym, uh, they're a very offensive gym. And uh, you saw that in the fight. Um, Fury, Fury took it right to Wilder, right from the, the opening bell. And, you know, Fury talked about it, um, the whole lead up to the fight. He talked about, I am going to knock his ass out. I'm going to knock him out in the second round, which he almost did. And everyone thought he was crazy for putting on, you know, 17 additional pounds. We all thought, oh, my God, he's just going to be like a statue in front of uh, in front of Wilder. He's not going to have the same type of movement that he's had, you know, just, you know, very characteristic in his uh, his boxing career. And man, he shut my ass up. I was in, I was really worried for him when, you know, he kept his shirt on at the weigh in and you never, you never saw, saw his chest up until right until the last moment when the fight started. I just started thinking, man, is this dude just really out of shape? Well, what's going on here? And he proved this wrong. He shocked the world. I think nobody. Nobody outside of the people at that gym and Tyson Fury and maybe his mama 
saw that he was gonna knock Wilder out, you know, um, in that manner. So, big ups to him. Yeah, uh, breaking the uh, record for largest gate for a heavyweight boxing fight, um, which was previously uh, they don't know what they broke it by, but they know they broke it. Oh wait, here we go, about seventeen million. Uh, beating the record from 21 years ago with where uh, Lennox Lewis beat Evander Holyfield, which damn adjusted for inflation. Wait, wait, just to make sh- just to make sure, the gate was 17 mil. If I'm right, the Holyfield Tyson fight was 16 mil, wasn't it? Uh, Holyfield Tyson was 14.3. Ho- Holyfield Lewis was 16.9. I don't know what Mike's doing. Sneezing. I think sneezing he's sneezing. Uh, sorry, I, I was sneezing. Yeah, um, so. They made man heavyweight boxing. I yeah, was man, uh, and, and for inflation, man. It's been twenty years, and they barely beat it. Like, come on. You know, what I'm reading. They did Lewis and Holyfield at the Thomas and Mack Center. The Thomas and Mack Center is a piece of shit. It's a real piece of shit, Mark. That's where we went and watched the NBA D League. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's a real turd. Um, I, heavyweight boxing, man. People get up for it. Still a big. I mean, I was. I mean, I think I messaged Mike this. I was just like, we got to go to another fight in Vegas too. There's something different well, about it there. To, to be fair, like heavyweight boxing has not always had this type of fan. No, no, no. There was a 20 year gap in people giving. And, shit. and I mean, I think there was a lot of fan for this fight because this is a rematch. The first fight was incredibly close and combative and there was a lot of action to it. So I think a lot of people had, you know, may, maybe not realistic expectations because I don't think, you know, like I said before, I was a little critical of this fight. I didn't find it to be like the most exciting thing in the world. I thought what. Fury was able to do was extremely smart and worked extremely well in his favor, but it wasn't a slobber knocker, right? Where these both, both guys are just beating the shit out of each other, kind of like their first fight was, but that first fight cemented that this, the first time these guys matched up, it was something worth paying money to go to. And, you know, and ultimately, you know, the second fight, we just saw another fighter just completely revamp how he approached the fight and, you know, had, uh, had a spectacular showing. So, um, yeah. Yeah, good I bet that. it was a huge night for ESPN Plus pay-per-view. They promoted the hell out of this card. It was all over the place. By the way, the first fight did $3.5 million at the gate. Yeah, see, that's more kind of three and a half. Kind of used to. They, they did five times the gate. And that's impressive. So, And I think it speaks a lot to Tyson Fury, right? Like you said, Bobby, in the lead-up to this fight, his name's been out there a lot more. You know, I think before the first Wilder fight, I don't think as much of the general public knew who Tyson Fury was. There was not Fury good was. headlines about Tyson Fury before the third fight. No, there you, you can, go. I mean, a, you can say he's a changed man. We like to take a man's word for it, but you can get yourself real upset looking for old Tyson Fury clips. Um, after the fight, the man sang American Pie. Um, and Mike, when he started singing the second verse, there was a look of panic in everybody in the ring's eyes. They're like, oh, no. I don't know any more you know words word? in this song. I don't know any more words. <laughs> in fairness, I didn't know what freaking song he was singing up until he got to the chorus. Oh, I knew the words, but I'm just like, oh, he's he has old ass Bob Arum trying to sing. It was interesting. Um, that was uh, it was a big fight though, and we'll see. It sounds like they're doing a rematch. I would have been more interested in watching because uh, I don't know what we're gonna get out of the third fight unless unless Deontay Wilder is gonna do a real change of strategy here. Um, how he's going to approach this. Maybe cover up a little bit in the first round. Don't just get, you know, jabbed. Um, I personally would rather watch Tyson Fury beat up Anthony Joshua, but I think that would not be a good fight for Joshua. Though he's more of a boxer, Mike, so it might have been a little bit more... Not that Wilder lacks boxing skills, but you know what I mean? More of a technical guy than uh, than Wilder is, in my opinion. 
Yeah, but I I don't know. I have a feeling that if uh, if Fury fights Joshua, this it's gonna be a it's gonna be a long night for Joshua, or maybe a short night. He's a big man, two hundred seventy pounds. He came in tonight. So, um, all right, let's do some MMA news real quickly. We got a couple title fights that got booked here. Um, first one, um, my favorite fighter, Valentina Shevchenko's next fight has been decided. It is going to be against uh, Joanne Jojo Calderwood, aka Doctor Neville, aka Bad Mofo Jojo. Um, this fight, I believe, is happening, I want to say in Brazil, or am I crazy? I forgot where they said this thing was actually happening, as I looked this that up That would be now. kind of weird, because they're neither of them are Brazilian, but we've seen weirder things. Well, happen. Valentina, I mean, this isn't, I mean, not like even close to the same thing, but didn't she grow up, uh, actually, she speaks Spanish, I forgot where she's, Uruguay? Yeah, I don't know, I have no is idea. Is it Uruguay or something she's always training out of or something? I could be crazy about that, let me see. Um, she can she's speak Spanish, though. Yeah. They're fighting in Australia. Makes even less sense. Okay. They're fighting in uh, in June in Australia. They're really going to Australia for a pay-per-view? Who's going to be on this goddamn thing? Is he fighting in, is he going to fight again in June after fighting in March? Mm. They got they got a New Zealand. Okay, whatever. Um, or what about uh, the other guy? Uh, 145. What am I talking about? Volkanovsky from fight. Well, Zombie said, Zombie had eye surgery, and Zombie can say he'll be back in the summer. If Zom and Zombies doesn't tweet, but he's been tweeting a whole bunch of stuff, talking shit about Volkanovski. I want to see Volkanovski versus Korean Zombie. More than I want to see Korean Zombie versus Max Holloway, though I understand if that gets booked too. Personally. All sound like winners to me, so. Yeah. Um, I like JoJo, but Mike, this one, I mean, we're at the point with, I mean, we don't need to create logic with this title. We're at the Valentina's going to fight all the people in the weight class part of her career, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's basically uh, let's find the warm body that can get get to one hundred and twenty five pounds and put it in front of her. Uh, we talked about before the podcast where you said I like this fight, and I had to ask you a question: Do you like this fight just because you like JoJo and the thought of JoJo getting a title shot? Which uh, I don't remember you really answering that question, Bob. I mean, look, that's part of it, but also because I think that her fighting a stand up fighter with stand up skills. Gives me hope that we're going to get some sort of like, I mean, I think ultimately she's going to get overwhelmed. Um, but JoJo's good on her feet. You know, Mark, she's a good fighter standing. And maybe Valentina makes a mistake, but I think, I mean, yeah, I think Valentina's going to eat her up ultimately. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I, I, I mean, we, we talked about this when we were, when you talk about her last victory, the field is just not so deep that there's any contenders out there right now where we're like, oh, this is an interesting matchup. I see wrinkles in Valentina's game where maybe this fighter can expose that. Um, right now, the field is a little limited. And, you know, like, like you, I'm excited for JoJo to get this opportunity because she's been in the game for a long time. She's a veteran. Um, and, you know, it hasn't always been roses. You know, she's definitely had some stumbles here and there. But uh, 125 definitely seems to suit her a lot better. And she's racked up a couple wins. So, I mean, why not get the opportunity? I think she's put in her dues. But, yeah, I, I think it is a... I, I give her probably less chance than I would even um, a Roxy just because I I've seen Roxy just pull down on the you know pull down on her mouth guard and just pull the trigger and get it done and go after girls like like when she went after Macy Barber you know that was an extremely dangerous fighter that she just went after with gusto and JoJo I think is a little more tactical she's gonna stay on the outside I think she's gonna I mean we all, we also see one of them I mean no offense to JoJo we all love JoJo but I've never seen Roxanne break I've seen Roxanne get her ass whooped but like 
JoJo's broken before, where it's been like the middle of the second round, and you're like, JoJo's not going to fire anything off, really. She's just kind of in, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, those are some of the go, stumbling blocks yeah. where I think I think she has, I think she gotten in a different camp at one point, and I think I, I remember seeing improvement. I have a well, hard yeah, no, time. She, yeah, she, uh, she has improved. And by the way, Mark, this is the same, they're both in the same camp, Roxanne and JoJo. So it's a good chance this coach is going to get two cracks at this. So... We'll see if you know yeah. he's gonna get one crack with this co- with this fighter, or another one with the next fighter. And, and so. JoJo, I mean, she's she's a skilled you know fighter. She really is. She's super well rounded. You know, she's gotten wins just about everywhere. It's just Valentina's just a little better in all those spots. So it's gonna be an uphill battle, but it's one that I think she deserves. And let's see if she can make the most of it. The other title fight we got booked. Uh, we mentioned it. This is happening in Brazil. Jose Jose Aldo trying to become trying to win a title in his second weight class, taking on. Uh, Triple C himself, Henry Cejudo. Um, there's a problem with this fight. Uh, Mark, what's that problem? Well, I mean, Aldo only made, is this 25? No, 35, 35. once, uh, and that was amazing, and he also lost that fight. So, um, yeah, good fight, close fight. Great fight. He looked good Some of in us it, thought he won. still lost. Yeah. Some of us thought he won, but it was a close fight, and quite frankly, not a screw job. Right, Mike? Like, we all were just like, probably go either way. But you know he didn't win. <laughs> yeah, it was not it was not Machida versus Shogun for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the poster's good because it looks like Jose Aldo surprised he got the fight too. Um, so I mean, Henry's not fought in a bit, but I'm gonna pick Henry. Just saying that right now, almost certainly I'll be picking Henry in that fight. Just because I just like to pick against Jose Aldo and be wrong. It's how this, you know, how this shit normally works out for us. It's still shocking that he actually made it down to 135 pounds. I mean, and he looked he good in the fight. Such, <laughs> and like that's the other surprising part. Like he, he he had so much trouble getting down to 145 so often in his career. Like how the hell is he able to? Like was he just not cutting weight right the rest of his career? This has to be it, yes. right? I'm going with yes. Um, that card also gives us the return of Fabricio Verdum taking on uh, Alexei Olenek. And we are getting, we're going to run it back, folks. Um, Shogun Hua taking on Rogerio Noguera for, we never actually got this in the UFC, did we? I'm I thought we'd already we did. Saw- I think we got two. Uh, I don't think they gave, I don't think, I think it got canceled. Oh, no, we did. Yep, it did happen. We're doing it a third time, brother. First time they fought, um, Shogun win all these fights. Yep, Shogun's won both of them. We're doing it again anyway. Um, Man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a shame when like all the guys who competed in Pride eventually retire. I mean, at this point, I don't think it's a, I don't think this I don't think we're at a shame. I think it's gonna be a blessedful day. Okay, blessed day when this all happens. Bech Koea's on the card. Um, Blagoy. Oh, Stefan's gonna be happy. Blagoy's on the card. Uh, Ketlin Vieira, Marion Renault. Uh, probably gonna need another title fight, but you know what? This is in Brazil. Maybe they're just trying to sell it on nostalgia to people. Um, all right. Um, I think that's really it. I mean, unless like in the last few minutes they've booked this uh John Jones Dominic Reyes rematch. I don't uh, I don't know what we really got going on. There's word the rumors are going around that uh we're gonna get uh Connor versus either Nate Diaz or uh Justin Gaethje. I support both of those fights. Yeah, those are winners. Book them. They both sound good to me. 
I do not need him waiting in the background, waiting for Tony or Khabib to step on a rake. All right? Um, I don't like that idea of him just sitting there. He came out of that fight unscathed. Let's fucking book something. Right? Let, like, Mark, let's get, let's get something going here. Like, yeah, why not? Motivated. He seemed highly motivated coming into this fight to continue to fight. So a big layoff doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, Those let's, are let's, two fights I think he could potentially do very well in. I mean, he's already beaten Nate before. And Gaethje stylistically, I think, matches up well with him like Cowboy did. Why not pull the trigger again? Keep the yeah, money let, flowing. Let's, ha- let's have some fun, man. Yeah, agree, Let me enjoy Connor for as long that, as... That Connor, like the Connor versus Cowboy fight happened, what, second week of January? We're almost in March now. Like, how doesn't he have anything booked yet? I like how now it's like he hasn't got anything booked in four weeks. Like a, y- a year ago, we're just like, all right, it's been six months. We should probably book Connor's fight soon, right? What do you guys think? Hey, man, but like, he I wants mean, to fight. He, he wants to be active, thought, he said. I thought about something, you know, this Saturday, watching some of the boxing matches. I mean, granted, it's boxing, it's a little different, but, you know, Wilder had fought. You know, less than three months ago, I think like 85 days ago, you know, um, Fury had fought in late September and like the guys in the uh, the undercard, they had fought like two months ago. He also wrestled in Saudi Arabia like three months after that. He was really, you know, Fury was busy. I mean, mean, he caught those hands from, uh, shit, what's his name in the the WWE? The Beast Uh, Among Men? Strowman. Yeah. That was awful. I mean, it was awful, but then it somehow looked better after uh, the Kane Velasquez nonsense. By the way, shout out to Fury and that excellent entrance. It was wonderful. Big Throne. What was the song he came out to? It was like I almost no forgot. Idea. It was some sort of it was some like Vegas song. Anyway, um, we're gonna pick exactly one fight from this card that is this weekend. Um, and I just want to say, if they had taken these three cards that I've been complaining about these last three and made one fight card out of it, Mark would have been a pretty good fight night would have been, we would have had a title fight, which we're going to pick here. We would have had Yawn and Corey, you know, we would have had hooker and uh fucking uh, Felder. Yeah. We would have had Carolina. You, that you, sounds like a pretty good also fight. have like 30 guys that didn't get a fight, right? I yeah. Mean, they probably should. They, they probably don't need to be fighting. It's not fair every, enough, we don't, we don't. but I mean, that's, that's the roster. They got the roster's bloated. They got to get these guys fights. You're gonna have a lot of bad cards. Look, yeah. If we could pick and choose, we could make a killer twelve card year, which is all killer, no filler. But that's just not the business they're in. I'm just looking. I, I told you. I think I said once. Just give me twenty four cards. That's it. A pay per view and a non pay per view every month, and I'm good. That seems like a, I mean, we can get there, guys. Um, we got uh we got some people on this card, but you know I like Felicia Spencer, but I don't know who she's fighting. I like Megan Anderson, don't know who she's fighting. I like that there's two women's featherweight fights on this card. Seems like a fucking miracle, okay. to be honest. Almost like they're trying to build a division. Yeah, um, Marcin Tybura on the undercard, Tom Breeze. None of these people I'm mentioning are facing each other. Is the problem? Uh, Ion Kutilaba, the Hulk. Um, he normally has a pretty entertaining weigh-in. You know, they'll he'll paint himself green or some shit. So look out for that. But really, main event time, we're going to talk about a man that you guys might have zoned out every time Mark and I talked about this guy (laughs) over the last, like, probably six months. Uh, Davison Figueredo um, has had a few entertaining fights, uh, two, really, that I enjoyed. Um, His fight with uh, Alexandre Pantoja and him running through Tim Elliott um, back in October uh, has got that man a title shot. Um, There is no champion. Um... Henry Cejudo has vacated the 125-pound championship. So instead, we got Joseph Benavidez 
uh, a.k.a. Joe Kazuna, uh, my favorite of his nicknames personally, fighting uh, Davis and Figueredo, first-time title contender, for the vacant flyweight championship. Um, this is a... I think we're all going to end up on one side, if I'm being honest, before we even make picks. But I don't think it's indicative, Mark, of how probably close this could be. Because uh, Davison's good, and he has shown to be a good fighter so far. And the betting odds suggest as much because he is minus... Benavidez is minus 145 to Davison's plus 125, which is makes me think the betting odds are still saying, uh, probably, Joseph. Um, let's go, Marcus, to you first. What do you think we're going to get out of this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely... Going with Joseph Benavidez, uh, it, it seems like this is finally his time where potentially he could get the belt that he's been hunting for you know, his entire career. Um, he's definitely had the skill set to be a champion this whole time. There's just been foils across the um, octagon or ring, you know, whether it was Dominic Cruz before or Demetrius Johnson. You know, outside of that, I think his only other loss is Sergio Pettis. Uh, and otherwise, he's kind of been the uncrowned you know, king of this division, killing off contenders. Um, but like you mentioned, also, um, Figueroa is very much a live underdog in this one. You look at his record, he only has one loss to Formiga um, by decision, which I think there's really no shame in that. That's another guy that's been in the title contention picture forever. Um, and, and losing to him, I don't think, you know, speaks to ill will of what Figueroa is capable of. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just it's Joseph's time. You know, he's been hunting this forever. He finally has the nemesis that he couldn't defeat out of the way in DJ or Dominic Cruz. Um, this is time to shine. And, you know, Figueroa definitely can win this fight. Um, and that would, I think, would be really heartbreaking for Benavidez. I think yeah, man. Marcus, at this point, at this point, man, I just want him to get it. Like, I like Joseph a lot. Um, he's in our intro of our podcast. Was nice to you. Um, has responded to before on Twitter to us. And we were at his last title fight seven years ago. Well, six and six years and three two months ago in Sacramento, in goddamn Sacramento, Mighty Mouse knocked him unconscious in two minutes. Just jumped into a punch. And I mean, like, and he also, I think he knows like it's kind of lucky this division's still around. I mean, there were serious thoughts about when Henry won the belt that they might just fold up the whole division and he might have to move up to a higher weight class, which would just be a nightmare for him. You know, this is really his home at flyweight. So this is his chance. You know, this is the opportunity. A lot of things had to line up to make this, you know, happen. He really has to strike and, and get the win here and, and get the belt. Cause I don't know how many other opportunities he's going to have. Figure on the other hand is still fairly young, has a fantastic record. And, you know, it's just, it, I'm glad the flyweight division still around so these guys can compete, but, you also look at the landscape this fight is taking place on. This is not a pay-per-view card. This is not a very high-profile card. It just doesn't seem like the UFC is really giving these guys an avenue to be super successful um, and really get their name out there and really get people interested in the division, which has struggled since its you know creation. But that's just you know that's an old tune we've been saying a long time for the UFC. But yeah, I'm going with Benavidez. I, I'm I'm crossing my fingers for him. He has a tough test in front of him. That's something I think he should be able to. Win. I think Figueroa trains at Team Alpha Male. Well, that would and be has weird. for the la- and has for the last year. Doesn't doesn't Joe B still train at? No, Joseph moved. Team Alpha Male? I think he moved. I think he moved to Vegas to, because um, his wife is there a lot, working for the UFC and stuff. I think he moved to Vegas a while ago, but that's. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, not if anything. I mean, Joseph's a pretty unorthodox fighter, so at this point, Team Alpha Male's had a lot of turnover. But 
We'll see. Maybe that's maybe I'm reading Wikipedia and it's not uh, it's not accurate. Davison Figueroa, the War God, 32 years old. Um, shit, maybe he should be on a Brazil card. Yeah, um, I, let me tell you, Mike. I thought, I, thought was, I thought he was younger. Uh, he's 17 and one. He doesn't have a lot of mileage. Joseph, I mean, Joseph's 28 and five, and we've been watching Joseph in title fights since. I mean, probably the first one against Dominic was probably like in 09, probably Mark 2010. If we had to guess. Well, I saw him in Dream before that, and I was like, "Oh, this guy in Dreams." Joseph awesome. was in Dream. Yeah, he had one Dream fight, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool—a cool Uriah Faber-like guy just kicking ass in Dream." And then he never went back and fought, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of disappointing." <laughs> he got his first I mean, I title fight. Some, I think somewhere in storage, I, I still have a, a form poster that has a uh, Uriah of uh, Benavides, and I think like Anthony Pettis is. Uh, oh, I don't think he, no, Faber. Uh, Joseph wasn't there. Because Joseph was, was the only one, one of them not to, um, Chad was there. Oh, no, it was the guy with uh, Chad, and I think the guy with uh, Vitiligo, yes. what was yes. his name? Scott Jorgensen. Yeah, there we got we Jorgensen go. in there. Um, Joseph's first title fight against Dominic Cruz was August of uh, 2010. So, yeah. Remember, remember when he elbowed a hole in Miguel Torres' head? That was 10 years ago. Just in his head. Hole in his head. It was incredible. Um. Yeah, Mike. Uh, make your pick, but also agree with me that if Davis and Figueroa does win this fight, this is when the UFC does close this division. Um. Yeah, that might be it because <laughs> at least with Joseph Benavides, there's there's a little name recognition, and on top of that, there if he becomes champion, they're not gonna close. They're not gonna shutter the division of Megan O'Leary's husband. So by the way, you know, I there's think also that. Remember when this division was created and we all thought this is a division for Joseph Benavides to become champion? Like that's yeah. kind of I think what we all thought when they made that tournament. So here we are now. You got him to be, you got him winning? Yeah, I, I got him winning and um I would be lying if I didn't say that while I think he is still, you know, one of the best flyweights in the world, I mean, he's barely lost to anyone. Um so I do think that he is the favorite for this fight. I would be lying if I didn't think that my pick was fueled by a lot of emotion. Um, yeah, I really I, would like to see him become champion. Let me tell you guys, there's been a few MMA fights where I've actually gotten a little emotional with like, not like tears, but like, like I got like excited for the person becoming champion. And I remember when Robbie Lawler beat Johnny Hendricks, I was like a little emotional. Like I was so happy for the guy. Um, and I was in the arena when DC won that second belt and he was real emotional. I remember thinking that was it. I'm going to get a little emotional if Joseph finally wins a belt, man. You know, I'm going to be like excited for the guy and I got, I hope it happens because I'm going to feel so sad even, if he just runs into it's like a punch again or something. <laughs> even if he does win it at the Chartway Arena in Norfolk, Virginia, they really aren't doing flyweights any like favors. Is the last time, was the last time in there in Virginia was when Ally Quinta yelled at the crowd. I'm not even kidding. Are you booing that, me? You booing me? You booing me? <laughs> and this Al the legend. Um, I think they're trying to book Al versus Dustin Poirier. That sounds like a good time, by the way. I vote in favor of that matchup. Um, you guys want to do stuff we like? We're all that's it, guys. We're not picking the rest of this sounds card. Good. Yeah, let's do stuff we like. Um, I'll lead off because I watched the entire Hunters TV show on Amazon. Um. Hunters um, is a show on Amazon that I could succinctly describe as Al Pacino 
and other folks hunting Nazis in 1977 New York. Um, executive produced by uh, Jordan Peele. Um, it is was not exactly what I thought it was going to be. I watched the whole thing, all like 10 goddamn hours of it, because each of these episodes was so long. Um, the It's kind of hard at times to convey what kind of tone is going on in this show, where there's times where I'm like, we just did like a flashback to Auschwitz, but then like Josh Radner, uh, formerly Ted Mosby from How I Met Your Mother, is being really fucking funny, and I'm trying to get an idea if I'm supposed to be having a good time or not here, because then we're going back to Auschwitz. And having a real serious scene. And then I can't tell what is or isn't happening. Because like my World War II history is okay. But like it's not like on that level. So I'm just like did all this stuff really happen or not happen? Um, it's an interesting show. Um, either way. Um, it kind of reminds me of like The Americans. Um, which was far more serious. And definitely a better show. But this was interesting. And there's like a little bit of alternate history thing going on. At some point in there. Which I kind of dig. But uh, Josh Radner kills it in this. Um, Schmosby, Mike. Schmosby is the man in this show. Like an episode or two and you're immediately like, oh, this is the best part of the show. He is uh, hilarious. And like there's parts where it's just funny for you because you're like, this guy's this is Ted Mosby. He's got a gun. This is hilarious. But other parts of it is like he's legitimately funny. Um, Which is funny because he was like the least funny person in How I Met Your Mother. There's times where he's like doing it like a voice and you're like, this sounds like Schmosby doing a voice. Because like he, when you're in a sitcom for that many episodes, you become that person and he hasn't done a lot of other stuff. It's not like, um, what's her name? He's played Maria Hill 12 times. And at this point, I can see her as Maria Hill and it's not. It's Robin, you know. But he's really good in it. Al Pacino doing an old Jewish man accent. It was real weird. It remained weird all 10 episodes. Um but basic premise, though, is uh, he has a group of people and they hunt Nazis. And there's Nazis all over the U.S., which uh, kind of is how this stuff went down. I think the Nuremberg trial, I think they only convicted like 12 Nazis for anything at Nuremberg. And there's a lot more Nazis that did some stuff. Um, but it's like there's other stuff in there where they talk about like how the United States takes like took in a bunch of Nazi scientists for the space program, which everybody I mean, I think most people are aware of that. That's, you know, we got to get the space. You know, Werner Braun Braun and the space race and all the rockets and stuff. Like, it was, uh, they tried to get the brain power before the Soviets did. So, there's a lot of talk about that and vengeance versus justice and all that. But it's just, it's kind of a lot of stuff going on. It was entertaining. I watched it over the course of the three days, like Friday through Sunday. Watched the whole show. Um... And uh, I, they kind of set themselves up for more seasons. So I wonder how well it did. But uh, yeah, Josh Radner killed it. Really good in the show. Mike watches everything. I'll get Mike to watch at least one episode of this, I figure. Yeah, I'll probably uh, actually finish pretty early tonight. So I may uh, fire up my uh, shield and give it a watch tonight. I recommend we'll get through the second episode so you at least get some Mosby. Because he's mostly showing up in the second are, episode. Are these a half-hour episodes? No they're, or? no, they're fucking long. They're long. The first one's oh. like an hour and 20 minutes, man. Okay, it is I'm so long. One, I'm getting through one episode tonight, then. Maybe. Um, it's 10 But yeah. Um, I'm never, it's never my instinct to watch shows on Amazon. I always forget that they have shows, to be honest. Um, 
So this one was one I did look forward to. It's kind of my jam, a little bit of history, you know. Um, you guys all know, I, everybody who watched, who's joining me on this podcast knows I'm a, I'm a bit of a history nerd. So this was really interesting for me. I kind of would have wished they took less artistic license. I would have rather just been like, because I'm sure this existed on some level because there were Nazis in the U.S. And I'm sure there's people going after them. I would have liked a little more of that, but, you know, it was kind of comic booky at times too, not in terms of powers or anything, but just like the vibe. So I dug it. It was just, at times I thought like, this is just, this is so close to being like really good, but it's, it's kind of like, it's hard to describe sometimes where you're like, this is on the edge of being something really good, I thought. So yeah, Hunters on Amazon, you got Prime, which apparently fucking all of us do. Uh, just give it a crack. And you know, the the main kid in it is good. He's good too. Logan Lerman. I was impressed with him. So that's me this week. Uh, Mike, what do you got? Uh, so two things for me this week. Uh, one of them is one thing I actually just thought about now when you mentioned that you are a huge, um, you know, history buff. Uh, one thing that I like that I actually would, wouldn't mind trying to find is a book that was on your crapper, uh, our 1L year, uh, U- U.S. presidential campaigns book. Um, Ooh, I think I know where that is. <laughs> I, I think I might know where that is. <laughs> I always enjoyed going to Z's in your house uh, because I was able to read that book for a few minutes. It was always very nice. Um, it was old as shit, too. That book ended in like the 1980 election. I bought it at the, uh, what's it called? At the, the Salvation Army in Syracuse. <laughs> oh, look at that. Shit. I thought you yeah. brought that from, uh, I thought you brought that from California. No, I went to that Salvation Army and bought all the good books. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Well, uh, the other, the actual thing I had this week um, is this show on Netflix that I just uh, stumbled upon. It's called The Chef Show. Uh, John Favreau is an executive producer for it. Oh, Bobby's giving his. Uh, I've definitely talked up, about it on this show. Two before. Thumbs up. Have you? Oh, yeah, for sure. But go ahead. You, people need to know. It's a good show. <laughs> but, well, yes. So I. I started watching um, Volume Three. Um, actually, just looking at it now, I just realized there's, you know, it's on its third uh, season already. But we're on the third it, season. I am way behind. <laughs> all right, well, hold on. It says season one, Volume Three, so that's my bad. I just saw the three parts, so I just thought it was season three already. Dude, I'm like, ha- I'm like, I'm like ten episodes in. I'm like around Seth Rogen. I think it was the last one I watched. So that might have been like somewhere in Volume Two. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. That was in Volume Two. I started watching volume three so um essentially what the show is is uh john favreau and i'm assuming that's the guy from what's the what's the name of that restaurant bok choy uh no no he's roy no roy choy is from um so the trend of food trucks really sprung out of los angeles and this guy's truck i think it's called the koji truck it was korean it was like uh, tacos he was making like korean food and that's where it came so, out. Yeah. It was Roy Choi. Yeah, and he also trained John Favreau for the movie Chef, so they became buddies. Uh, so those two guys, they go around to uh, different chefs, uh, really famous chefs, and you know their restaurants, and you know those chefs make um, you know two or three different dishes, or more like they have John Favreau make the dishes, and you know they kind of instruct them on on how to do it. Uh, the episodes I've watched already, it's uh, been a Wolfgang Puck. Apparently he uh 
he had talked to John before and, and uh, worked with John before because Wolfgang Puck was just like up John's ass the whole episode, which was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> he went over and in the next episode, um, John and Roy, they went to the Border Grill. Um, if I'm right, that is another restaurant in Vegas as well. Um, and I've really enjoyed the show. Um, I from my old two roommates, uh, Sal and Bob, I was for sure the one that was not a foodie. I normally did not give a shit whenever they were trying to cook something. But this show uh, has done something that pretty much no cooking show has ever done. Like, I see them making things. and I'm like, oh, my God, I actually want to try to make this one day. Well, you know, what's interesting is um, I wasn't that much of a food guy when we were in school either. What made me start really caring about cooking was I was watching the movie Chef, you know, that Favreau made. And I'm sitting at my in my apartment watching this movie and I'm just like about to cook dinner. And I'm just like, shit, man, I could do better. Like I can like let me try to get good at this. And like it was fun because it was like I just I, I really like cooking. I've talked about it, I'm sure a bunch on this show. So like um, I was so hyped when this show came out because it's not really about anything. We're just, they're just kind of, there's an episode where we're like hanging out with these old ladies and they teach us how to cook. We're hanging out with Gwyneth Paltrow. She forgot what movie she's in. Um, Aaron Franklin, which is my favorite episode, is the guy who, um, Franklin's barbecue. Um, so I really got into, I watched the show. I wanted to watch the movie because I was like looking for something to watch and Stefan, I asked Stefan he'd seen Chef and he said, it's really good. You should watch it. And that's what made me get into cooking. So I was really excited for this show to come out of it too. Um, because it's kind of a man. I mean, we all like food and learning how to do it yourself, you know, at this point, knowing that I can make something really well that I like, it's a nice thing to be able to do. And this show gives you like, they don't make it that complicated either. When like you watch people cook, it just like, it no. doesn't seem that complicated. You just got to know what to do, really. You know, you pick it up through repetition. So it's a good show though. Yeah, Chef show for is, sure. Um, yeah, you don't have to pay, you don't have to pay that much attention to it either. You kind of just like, yep. you know, Go about your business. Let's <laughs> watching it. <laughs> yeah, definitely a show that I've uh, really started to binge watch. Um, maybe around fourth, the fourth episode of Volume Three, and I started watching it late, late Saturday afternoon. So, oh, you've watched the whole thing through that point already? Uh, yeah, like four, four episodes in of Volume Three. So, no, yeah, you, like are, you already watched. Long. The, it's not. Did it's you watch much. the other ones? No. No. Oh, okay. I on I straight up did not know that there were more than one volume until right now when I checked on Netflix. Oh yeah, it's uh, I enjoy it quite a bit. It's a good show. Yeah, I actually but, um, we got um we were in L.A. years ago. I was with L.A. and Steph. I'm sure I might have told this on the show before, but Stefan and I were in L.A. and we're uh hanging out with his sister, and we were and she put us to say, hey, go get some food. And the only things to eat where she dropped us off was a food truck, which I think was the Roy Choi Korean, uh, the Mexican Korean uh, food truck and a Johnny Rockets, which we didn't know what she was trying to get us to do was to go to the food truck. So instead, me and Stefan are like, I guess we're eating a fucking Johnny Rockets because I guess that's what we're doing. It is the original Johnny Rockets. So it wasn't the worst decision we made. But I remember like afterwards, sister was like, sister was like, yeah, you were supposed to eat at the food truck. So, yeah, this was like 10 years ago. Why didn't she maybe. just say that? I don't know. We're idiots. She's like, why would they go eat a chain fast chain burger? And we're like, 
It's a good chain burger, in fairness. Johnny Rockets is delicious. Um, uh, no one should ever sleep on the double cheeseburger and the black and white milkshake from Johnny Rockets, okay? They also make their own soda in-house, which you always enjoyed, I remember. Johnny Rock, folks here are wondering why we're liking Johnny Rockets this month much. Being from the Bay Area and being from New York where there's plenty of places to eat. In Syracuse, New York, you don't have such options sometimes. And you can get a real good fucking cheeseburger at Johnny Rockets. <laughs> um yeah, we've got off kilter here a little bit. Yeah, Mark, maybe, um, maybe, maybe Johnny Rockets can be the stuff I like for next week. But for this week, it's uh, the Chef Show. You guys should check it I, out. I, 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 right now, I kind of want some Johnny Rockets. I'm sure if I go there, I'll be like, it's just a fucking cheeseburger. But <laughs> it's been a while. Um, Mark, what do you got this week? Oh, yeah, pretty light week. Um, one thing I will spotlight in the gaming world, because there's really it's a little dry until about a little less than a month from now on the 20th of March. Uh, that's when Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing New Horizons comes out. So I just want to just uh, you know point people in direction. Uh, Nintendo does these little directs. It's kind of their direct to consumer video presentations, and they just had one last week that was just all about uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons. So. If you never played Animal Crossing, it's kind of a social collector kind of game, kind of like Stardew Valley without the farming. Um, and I think if you never experienced it, uh, checking out the Direct might be a good introduction to it because they kind of lay out a lot of the new things that are in this game. You get kind of a feel for the game itself. Um, and I'm very excited for it. Uh, other than that, the big thing I got on this week was I've been meaning to watch Jojo Rabbit uh, for a while. When it was in theaters, I just couldn't really carve out the time to see it. Uh, so I've been eagerly anticipating when it would come to video uh which was last week so i picked it up and i watched it over the weekend and i really enjoyed the film i think kind of like what you're saying bob where um the hunters kind of doesn't really always land like its tone or mood um i think jojo rabbit does that very well and it does switch up tones every now and then it is mostly a comedy but um set in uh germany during world war ii and during like the later half of world war ii where things you know aren't quite going super great um you know they deal with the war they deal with a lot of the real aspects of the war and there are definitely some super heavy scenes in this movie that kind of blindsight you because most for the most part is it's fairly comical and lighthearted. um but there's real shit going on and they don't shy away from that and i remember you know seeing trailers for this movie before i actually saw it thinking like this is going to be a difficult tight rope to walk, um, you know, making Germany and Nazis, you know, kind of, you know, the protagonist, someone that you're kind of getting behind uh, could be kind of difficult. It's a difficult subject matter overall, but I think uh, uh, Watiti, right? Am I saying is like, I'm going to butcher his name. Yeah, that's it. That's how yeah, I, know um, I think he does a great job, not only uh, directing the film, but also uh, playing Hitler. Uh, it is really, it is a really good film, worthy of a lot of the nominations it got for the Oscars. Um, and I think uh, a couple of the standout, uh, Scarlett Johansson does a fantastic job. And it, this movie almost makes me want to watch The Marriage Story, just because I heard she does really good in that. And it's like, man, you were really killing it last year with this uh, stand-up uh, cinema work. Uh, but I also wanted to point out the main protagonist is, has like this little chubby friend that he's always kind of like running around with, kind of. And there's only a few scenes with him, but He's like the most fun-loving, lovable character in that whole uh, movie. Did you see those, it, Mike? You're, you're giving those, me the smiles. Those, yeah, those scenes were so cute with those two in it. Yeah, that 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 kid was just so adorable. Um, and there's a lot of performances in the film uh, that really kind of stand out. You know, I don't think anyone really does a half-hearted job here. I mean, if anything, I think the protagonist and 
uh, I don't know if you, you would call her the antagonist or, you know, the, the, the main stars of the film, I kind of feel like they shine the least bright. They have the most camera time, but a lot of the, the secondary characters are just so fun. A lot of times they're just on the screen for one scene, three, four minutes, hit a couple good jokes and they're out, which makes you kind of like long for the next time they're on. I mean, everyone just see, really just did a great job overall. I really enjoyed the film. And the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm like, yeah, that was good. That was good. That was fun. Uh, yeah. So I really enjoyed it. And I did hear today that I guess Parasite is going to be on Hulu. And I've been kind of thinking about, you know, catching that since everyone's talking about how great it is. Obviously it got all the um, Oscar uh, winner and best picture and stuff like that. And Stefan was talking it up really high. So I didn't really know, like, am I going to have to buy it? Is, you know, where it's going to potentially be able to stream it. So I think it's early April. It's going to be on Hulu. So I was like, I was like, yeah, I can wait, you know, a month plus to uh, check out this really cool film without having to, you know, pay some down payments on a VOD or a Blu-ray or something like that. So yeah, I, like we spoke about last week, um, I thought last year's you know year in movies was really great. There's a lot of films I still want to check out like 1917. And it's just cool to you know have these things start to come either on Blu-ray or VOD, however you like to consume movies, streaming services, to finally have these a little bit more consumable um, is really cool. So I'm really looking forward to when uh, 1917 comes out and Parasite. So yeah. And JoJo's out now. Yeah, Parasite's actually uh, you can rent it for four bucks. Also, that's not on, bad. But now that I know it's on Hulu, <laughs> I was like, I can wait. I waited this long. I can wait a, a month plus for uh, 4K actually too. That's nice. That was good. Yeah. Um, pour one out though for Blockbuster. Mark saying it's more accessible to watch these movies. You don't have to get up and go to Blockbuster. That's what we're saying. That's true. Yeah. I didn't hate that either. Uh, that was fun. <laughs> By the way, uh, it's been a real Nazi-heavy episode. It's true. <laughs> Just a lot of Nazi talk on this week's show. Really coming back, what? By, by the way, let me, tell you, from there. let me tell you guys, after you watch 10 hours of a Nazi TV show about secret Nazis, when you go out and one of your neighbors has a German accent and a German shepherd she does not handle well, you are real uneasy around that, you lady. <laughs> you all of a sudden are drawing conclusions that aren't there. Gotta be careful. You're making connections. both ways. <laughs> Oh whatever! She's man. looking at Dude. you like I don't like this guy with his. Beard. Oh fuck, man! I, I I got I got I left the grocery store. Uh, I came out of the grocery store yesterday, and uh, some like uh, I think they're doing Girl Scout cookies or whatever Boy Scout. Co- I don't know. Boy it was Scout. little girl. Girl, whatever they like Girl Scout cookies. Little girl came walk over to me to like sell me Girl Scout cookies, and her mom grabbed her and pulled her away. Damn, that's right. And I was just like, that's and I was cool. just sitting there, and I'm just like, that was the easy sale. I would have bought the cookies. I would have bought the cookies. You got like a. a Dude, I buy, I buy, I buy cookies. I will buy cookies from Girl Scouts every single time. I pay ten bucks or whatever it is for those, like two bucks of cookies or whatever the fuck it is. So yeah, I wasn't really upset or anything, but I was just like, oh okay. That's, that's definitely one that's of those it. things. If I would have been there, I'd been like, shit, that's hella racist. You're teaching that brownie the wrong lessons, and it would have been an easy sell. And I was just like, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd walked all around town. I was like in basketball shorts, a t-shirt, and like a baseball hat. But I'm like, I don't think I look that bad right now. You know, no, you know, just walking around town. But I'm like, you know, I'd walked into the grocery store to get some, you know, get some eggs and some mushrooms. And I'm like, could have gotten some Thin Mints, you know, if they wanted to make a sale. I had cash. But yeah, that was part of my Sunday. Happy, happy. How you guys doing? <laughs> happy February. Anyway. Um... I didn't bring that up at all. This is the first time Mark heard that. <laughs> I didn't bring it up at the office. Yeah, you did. That was racist as fuck. I'm ups- I'm all yeah. mad. I always hate it. When I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it wasn't right. Maybe it was just like he looks mean or something. Yeah, or, it felt pretty fucking racist to me. 
I don't know. I'm. I mean, I don't know how. I mean, I got a big beard, so I guess I do. Hey, you never know. Maybe maybe it was just that you know, strange man. My daughter is running over to him. You know, maybe she just fears men. Well, she's. You know what, man? If I, I'm realizing when I write the 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 title of this episode, I could really go with like really some confusing shit. Hooker, comma Nazis, comma racism, and then people are gonna look at this episode and be like. The fuck's going on we, in this podcast? We might will lose all the listeners that usually listen and gain all the racist Nazi assholes <laughs> out there looking for hookers and shit. Oh, finally, our time has come. <laughs> Amen. Download downloads or downloads are downloads. That's, That's right. We're about to we're about to get sponsored. Apparently, we're about that's about to Maybe. go down. Hopefully, I can't wait to sell you guys Manscaped. If, that's the one that's coming. If I've said it once, I'll say it again. I am all for selling out. I just look. I just look forward to the casual conversation. Mark, have you ever snagged your nuts while shaving them? Well, we have the right product for you now. <laughs> Manscape offers three months. I don't even know. They sell shavers. I don't even know. They sell they're the new. lawnmower. They're new. I haven't heard their ads too much yet. You don't watch. You don't watch enough. You don't listen enough sports podcasts. No. But, <laughs> okay? but, but Bob, have you tried their new taint shaver? It is revolutionary. I mean. Oh yeah, they say that shit. Like they don't shy away from it. They're like, yeah, shaving your balls, dude, clean. Dude, I've, I've listened. To, I've listened to this ad on multiple podcasts. There's a couple things they say where they're just like, "You're not gonna snag your nuts. We got skin safe technology." Or I'm like, "Snag your nuts is just a thing we say on podcasts now." Okay, I got it. Wait, and then boy. at the end they'll say, "What are they shaving their nuts with? Like an actual straight razor?" No, they're saying with like the beard, like the beard trimmer type stuff. You're snagging your nuts. I'm just saying. That's what they're talking about. Then, like, then in all the ads, they'll always say, hey, guys, don't use the same trimmer you use on your face, on your nuts. That's just gross. That is, that is Which gross. I'm like, that is, that is gross. gross. You need a, that is gross. <laughs> you should, by the way, I'm not trying to sell anything right now, but you should definitely use two different shavers. Yes. <laughs> what? I'm going to say, if you can afford to use two different shavers, that's a good, that might be worth your investment. But not everyone's out here running around with two, two shavers to be able to pick. Sometimes you got to make that decision. Not personally. I got, I got shaved without the wall. I was, was going to say, we learned something new about... I was going to say, Mark, you're really painting yourself in interesting light right here. That's one. You know, not everyone has the luxury of, of having different shavers for different things. You go to Costco, and when they sell the bundle, you get two of these I mean, things, That's true. You can actually right? get them pretty cheap. There's really not much of an excuse. Especially with Manscaped, because we're going to give you 40% off if you go there with the hashtag, it's amazing. So yeah, we're, we're practicing. Uh, some, people are going to go on this thing and put in, a, it's amazing. You know what? I know. You know what? I'm, I was gonna give you somebody else's, but don't. Never mind. We'll be back next week, and we're really gonna try to get a Trader Joe sponsorship. That's the whole point of this podcast. We've been doing this for seven years or eight years, trying to get a Trader Joe sponsorship. Really doing our best. Um, we'll be back next week. I think there might be a pay per view, actually, um, for us to preview next week with Izzy Adesanya, Yoel Romero, and then uh, Joanna Jacek versus uh, Wei Li Zhang. Um. Kind of gets thin after that, but there's still some good stuff there. Neil Magny versus Li Jing Lang, for example. Good fight. Uh, I'll be back next week. I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. That was Lavender Gooms. Kid Presentable will be back next week. Thank you all for listening so much. Manscaped for all your nut grooming needs. And peace out. See ya. Peace, guys.